Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Nobody wanted to play Washington at the end of the regular season. They were playing better football than anyone. Mike Farrell, beat reporter from the Seattle Times, has been covering the crud out of this team all season long. He's been all over it. You want to read about the Huskies? Read Mike Farrell, Seattle Times. He's joining us from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Give us the scene, Mike. What's the scene on the, on the Riverwalk? Yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, I've been here since Monday, and there was a lot of purple and gold. I was impressed by the UW turnout, but, you know, come this afternoon, I came downstairs in the hotel, and it was just a sea of burnt orange. Obviously, Texas, Austin is located about 80 miles away from here, so I think people wrapped up uh, their shortened work week and came on down, and it is just a sea of orange. It's going to be very loud in the Alamo Dome, and that's something that UW is prepared for, but it's a Definitely a unique environment, and, you know, for Pac-12 teams, they're used to being the road team in this game, and that is especially the case tonight. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of Texas, pro-Texas love. Steve Sarkeesian on the Texas sideline. How, how big a storyline has that been in your world? It's a storyline. I feel like there is some remove from that. You know, it's a complicated legacy, right, because he, you know, he did leave this program to go to USC, but he also took a program that was winless and brought it back into bowl contention. He didn't reach the heights that Chris Peterson did, but you could argue that he positioned the program to be able to be carried to those heights. So I mean, I think it's far enough removed where there isn't a whole lot of ill will, but it's certainly interesting that Sarkeesian was the coach the last time the Huskies were here. So it's, I would say it's more of a note than a storyline. These players don't really have any connection to him, but it, it's something that the fans obviously care about. The you know the, a lot of bowl teams will get to games and you go, gosh, do they want to be here? Like I'm wondering if USC wants to be in the Cotton Bowl. I know Washington fans and players probably thought about the Rose Bowl down the stretch. They needed some help, but they didn't get there. Will there be a letdown on the Washington side, or are they excited, Mike, to be in this game? Yeah, no, I think there is not any doubt that Washington wants to be here. They obviously haven't played in a bowl game in the last two years. And I think this bowl game is more about 2023 than anything. When you've got, you know, Michael Penix Jr. opts back in, Troy Fatanu, Jalen McMillan, you know, both their edges, ZTF and Braylon Trice. They've had a wave of guys come back because they believe in what's happening here and they think they can build to next season. But I think that starts now, and I think you, you make – the right impression tonight, you know, you maybe you get a, a top 10 ranking coming out of this season. You're a top 10 team going into 2023. I think that's all important. So as much as they want to win this game, I think really what they want to do is position themselves for what, for what they're hoping to accomplish next season. Yeah, and I think Michael Penix Jr., the momentum that Washington had late in the year, if they continue that momentum, I think no problem. They're going to score 40 points in this game. Uh, do you, are there any concerns that the time off – disrupts the offensive timing more than anything it's hard to know because i mean they do have all the same personnel they didn't have any opt-outs i think that's probably the biggest thing and you know they hadn't had all that time together you know outside of practices before the opener and of course they they've scored points all year long even from the jump so you know i think 
you, you, you'd expect the timing to be there. I'm just curious about, you know, Texas has a, a pretty big physical front seven. How are they going to match up? It's obviously an offense that has protected Michael Penix Jr. supremely well all season. Will they continue to be able to do that? Uh, that's going to answer a lot of questions in itself in this one. Mike Farrell, Seattle Times, is with us. Kalen DeBoer, uh, co-coach of the year. Great year for him to start off. Uh, signing day is, you know, part of the bowl season. That comes. How did he come out of signing day in your mind? Yeah, I think it was a positive day for them. They don't have the flashiest class. They didn't do, you know, what Oregon did, but I think it was a big deal to flip Caleb Presley from Oregon to get the top player in the state of Washington. That's the biggest place where they probably have to improve going forward is just to, to lock down those in-state kids. But I think they also address needs. Where you talk about, you know, if you count transfers, they're adding six or seven DBs to this class, and that's the biggest That's the biggest weakness, as, as everyone knows, on this team. And, and I think they've got some talent. They've got some obvious fits in this class, and, and they've added – a really quality transfer class that right now is ranked as the number six transfer class in the country. So I think that they're, they're really making prudent moves when you look at what they needed on this roster to address. Kalen DeBoer, uh, obviously they go into this game, they have a better record than Texas. They have a better ranking than Texas. I know you've written about this this week. I'm still wrestling with how are they an underdog, a four-and-a-half or five-and-a-half point underdog in this game. I have them winning the game outright, but is that sticking in the craw of Kalen DeBoer and, and those Husky players? You know, if you talk to Kalen, I just don't. I think he's so uh, he's such a nice guy. I don't know how much he cares about that kind of thing. I mean, the players, though, as you know, they'll, they'll twist anything into motivation, and there's not a lot of twisting that needs to happen here. And, and I feel like there's a sense, you know, as, as Oregon knows, as those other programs know, when you're in the Pac-12 and you're facing right now, a Big Ten program, uh, a Big 12 uh, Blue Blood, an SEC program, there's this thought that you're a Pac-12 afterthought to a certain degree. I think that's certainly the way they're approaching this game. Now, how much will that matter? It's hard to say. But like you said, I feel like these bowl games, a lot of times when it's not a New Year's Six, it comes down to which team wants to play and win this game. And I feel like there's no doubt that Washington is motivated. Michael Penix Jr.'s mother tweeted that her flight, Southwest Airlines flight got canceled. She drove 17 hours. It looks like she's arrived from Florida to Texas. Um, are there, is, is the travel and the airline stuff going to stop some fans, or is it just make it harder for everybody to get there? I mean, it's definitely stopped some fans from the UDA perspective. Like you said, the Panics drove 17 hours. Not everyone is willing to do that. And I know with the Southwest cancellations, with other cancellations from all over the place, it's been pretty difficult for, for UW's fan base. There are a lot of Huskies here, but, you know, it was already difficult. When you talk about maybe outside of El Paso, when you think about uh, the Pac-12's bowl options, it's not easy to get from Seattle to San Antonio and to do it um, at a reasonable price. So, you know, it, it, there was always going to be more Texas fans in the, state, in, the, in the stadium tonight. That might especially be the case given what's happened over the last couple of days in terms of flights. Keys to the game in your mind, uh, as uh, as my listeners are watching this game what what kinds of things will you be looking for in the press box there and by the way nice press box there at the alamo dome you've got a nice sight line in that press box as i recall yeah i covered a game here when i covered notre dame back in 2016 the press box is about as low to the to the field as any you'll encounter which obviously yep. is a positive i think the biggest thing for for washington can they stop the run you know obviously texas does not have 
Uh, their star running back, B. John Robinson, is going to the NFL, but they're not going to change who they are. This is a team that's been really physical throughout the year, and especially in the last couple of games. Um, running up front, Washington has been inconsistent. They've done a good job most of the year, but when they went up against Oregon, as you know, they got run over. So can they be physical? Can they match that? And then offensively, can they protect Michael Penix Jr. and allow him to do what he's really done all season, no matter the opponent, which is to pick those opponents apart and to spread the love uh, to his wide array of wide receivers and tight ends. What does winning this game mean for next season? If it's about 2023, what does it mean for for Washington? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how big any non-New Year's Six can be, but I, I do think, like I said, it's it's positioning you for, for what you want to accomplish. And it's pretty clear what this team wants to accomplish. When you've got Panix come back, when you've got McMillan come back, Fitanu, uh both of their edges, all these guys who could have been picked in the first two days of the draft, they've all said unfinished business. They want to get in the Pac-12 title game. Some of them think they should have been there this year. Obviously, the, the tiebreaker scenarios didn't let that happen. They want to win the Pac-12, and they want to uh, position themselves to, to possibly compete for the playoffs. And how realistic you know you think that is, I guess that's up for interpretation. But uh, this is the first step. You have to prove that you can beat a team like Texas with, with resources that Texas has because if you want to get to where you're winning the New York Six games, where you're, you're in playoff contention, these are the kind of games that you've got to be able to perform and really convince the rest of the nation that you're that quality team. I, I watched Texas this year, and I thought at times, you know, they had some injuries, uh, but obviously they got it on track enough to, to go 8-4 and four and get to the Alamo Bowl. I just think Washington's the better team in this game. I, am I crazy, Mike? Am I being a Pac-12 homer? No, I mean, I, I, I'm probably spoiling later in the interview, but I'm picking Washington to win this game. I, I feel like Texas is very, very solid across the board. Defensively, they're physical. They do a lot of things pretty well. I don't know that they're dominant in anything. And then offensively, they've run the ball very effectively. Uh, their passing game has not been explosive. Uh, Quinn Ewers, who a couple years ago was the number one QB in the country in his class coming out of high school, really hasn't been able to stretch the field vertically. So the question is, you know, obviously teams have done that against UW all season. Their, their secondary has been a big issue. Can they hit the long ball in this game? Uh, he hasn't done it very consistently. So I think both of these teams are flawed, but I think Washington's strengths are massive strengths. So we'll see how they match up, but but I certainly like UW as well. Yeah, I, 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 just feel, I feel like Washington's going to score about 41 points in this game, and I can't see Texas with their offense. I can't see them getting there. Without their star running back, I got them in the 30s. And, you know, I have it something like 41 34, 35, something like that. But how did you pick it? Did you give a score? I picked uh, Washington 37, uh, Texas 34, and a yeah. uh, pretty similar idea. I just think, you know, if you follow Washington, they've been consistent. They really play one kind of game, and uh, they score and they score and they score, and they hope for a turnover, a punt. They, they hope for a break uh, on the other side. And, and there have been games where they've obviously rushed the passer very well and stopped the run to some degree. But I, I feel like, uh, the elements are going to be difficult. I think this is a physical Texas team that's going to give Washington some, some problems. But, you know, they've followed the formula all season long, and they've got an awful lot of momentum. And like you mentioned, they're motivated. Washington really wants to be here. There's Texas. I think that answer is going to go a long way to determining what we end up seeing. Best meal that you've had uh, since arriving in Texas? Oh, wow. I went to this Mexican place called Los Barrios, which uh, Brandon Huffman, a great recruiting reporter mm -hmm. for 24-7, yep. uh, pointed me to. And they've got these uh, puffy tacos with a little bit of a thicker tortilla, <laughs> and it was so tender, uh, it was crispy, it was everything you could want. It was something that Seattle does not offer, so I was very thankful walking out of there. 
You know what I think we got to start doing? We got to start writing these things down because I always felt like sports writers <laughs> because you're traveling around, you're going to a bunch of restaurants. You know, we could save the public as a public service. We could have like a, uh, you know, a, a Yelp for sports writers where we go. Here are the places you need to eat if you're in San Antonio, and and it would be a big hit. It's not the transfer portal, but we need our own database that everybody can access and use kind of <laughs> the same right. formula. That's right. All right. Hey, have some fun, Mike. You've been a joy to read this season. Uh, you, you got a fun team to cover. Uh, it should be a fun game tonight. I appreciate you joining us. All right. Thanks, John. See you. All right. There he is from the Seattle Times, Mike Farrell. He does a really good job. All right. Uh, as beat reporters go across the Pac-12 conference, uh, I don't bring garbage onto the show. I bring the reporters who cover the teams in the best way, in the most uh, in-depth uh, an accurate way, uh, I bring him on to the show, and Varel does a good job. Judah Newby, I like Washington to win the game outright. Where do you stand on Washington, Texas, and the Alamo Bowl? I want to believe you. I want to believe you. I want to believe Mike. I want to buy into all of that. And, and yet, why is Texas favored, you know, and then I the know. home field? And I think you make a good point about the momentum. I'll still pick Washington because I'm I'm going to pick the Pac-12 over over Sark and the uh, the – ultimately SEC-bound Longhorns, um, and i just love to see the Pac-12 win in that environment, but that is a weird betting line. You're right. Yeah, I, well, I saw that line come out, and I was surprised. Texas, it's now down to 3.5. Texas is a 3.5-point favorite. Um, I think Washington is going to win the game. I have it 41-35. That's the official pick I made. It opened with Texas as a 4.5-point favorite. It's been bet down to 3.5. I don't think it matters. I think the underdog wins the game. And I think Washington probably likes where they are, uh, going, hey, look, we're the higher-ranked team. We're from the Pac-12. Nobody gives any respect to the Pac-12. And uh, we won more games in Texas this year in a, in a tougher conference, and nobody respects it nonetheless. Uh, but I think, Mike, here's what I think is going to happen. And for people who are going to watch this game, I think Texas will score in the 30s. But I think the pressure, and Varel alluded to it, the pressure that Washington puts on you and it happened against Oregon. It happened against Oregon State. It happened against Washington State. It's happened all year long with Washington winning games. Whether it's a close, low-scoring game or a high-scoring game, their offense is a threat to go down the field and score on every possession. They just put pressure on your offense to go out and match them. And I don't think Texas can stay with Washington in this kind of game. Our big splash is coming up. I have so much to talk about. Leave it here. you got the BFT. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Pele passed away today at the age of 82, complications uh, with cancer. How do we how do we sort of encapsulate or summarize Pele's contributions to the world? Judah, like how you're doing an update, let's say, so to speak. And top of the hour, here's Judah Newby with the news. Pele has passed away at the age of eighty two. What are the next couple of sentences that you would use? He's a legend. He was the you know, measuring stick against which all legendary players uh were measured. You know, the the Messi's, the Ronaldo's Everyone gets kind of compared to Pele. And we actually had a conversation in the newsroom today about that. Uh, you know, our news partners at KXL, we share a working space, and they were like, would you call Pele the greatest player ever? 
And I, I was like, yeah, I would. And someone in the back was like, well, why, what about Maradona? And like, you know, we're all <coughs> casual soccer fans, but immediately you go. Was that Ferretti? Like, was that Ferretti who said Maradona? No, Ferretti was the one asking me, and oh, okay. uh, it was a different. It was one of the producers <laughs> of the the yeah. afternoon newscast was like, "Well, where yeah. about Maradona?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know, maybe." And all of a sudden, we're debating it. Before Maradona got overweight and coked <laughs> out, he might have been right there. Well, rest in peace, you know, <laughs> yes. Maradona as well, you know. But uh, and Pele has, you know, Portland connections. I know he played at Providence Park once. They've got a plaque up there for him um you know where they have the plaques outside the stadium that's kind of cool but you know, outside of that i consider him the most legendary soccer player ever and and that sums it up for me there's a uh, dispute over his goal count he had 1363 matches the Guinness book of world's records says he scored 1279 goals in 1363 matches basically if you showed up to see him play you were going to see him score and um I would call him legendary Brazilian soccer player. I think there are very few people I would say are legendary. I also think if we start to think about superstars of today, like the greatest players in the NFL today, the NBA today, Tom Brady, LeBron, uh, you know, we're going to say these were generational players, but we're not going to say that LeBron helped popularize the NBA. We're not going to say Tom Brady, you know, raised the profile of football. He didn't. Like, football was going to be great without Tom Brady. The, the NBA was going to be what the NBA is without LeBron. I mean, you could probably argue that he nominally raised the profile of a sport. But what Pele did for soccer, nobody, nobody in the future, I don't think it, in any major sport could ever duplicate it because – he completely raised the profile of it in America and worldwide. That is funny that you brought it up, too, because I, I get these AP news alerts. And when uh, Pele passed away, the you know they gave me the obituary alert, and they describe him as the winner of a record three World Cups and standard bearer for the beautiful game. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll, I'll rely on the AP for that. That's pretty well done. He was standard. the standard... The standard bearer and a three-time World Cup winner, which is an all-time record. If you think about standard bearing, there, you know, nobody's going to say LeBron was the standard bearer for the NBA. They're going to say he was a generational talent and a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's, you know, it, it, they're not. Pele was unique in that way. Um, we'll talk in the four o'clock hour about Kevin Warren, who may be leaving the Big Ten Conference Commissioner Chair for the Chicago Bears presidency. What is he after? What is he chasing? But before we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.